You're listening to The Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? You are listening to Above the Mug. It's your friend, Lucas Spinoza, coming at you from the Black Sheep Lounge in my office. Today, we're joined by an incredibly special guest, a new friend and a good friend of mine, Martha J. Lockwood. You do many things. In your past life, you were a former city councilor in Fort Erie, correct? That's correct. And you're currently the Reverend at Central United Church. Yes. Amazing. So... To a lot of people surprised me having someone from the holy world in my office. They thought <laughs> this would never happen. But you show, and, and I'm showing here that we're all friends, right? Mm-hmm, we're all learning from each other and growing from each, uh, w- with each other. And one of the things I've always wanted to know about you is what got you into the church world, into, in, into leading a congregation? Well, I was uh, actually a university student at University of Guelph, a biology major, and planning on being a, a secondary school teacher. That was that was my goal. That was my path. And partway through, I um, I felt a call to ministry. I had I had not grown up in the church. I had uh, discovered it when I was eighteen, kind of searching for meaning in life, mm-hmm. and. Uh, through through contact with some friends, I decided to take a, a course. I had a light semester, took a course at a place in Kitchener called Emanuel Bible College. I could go over on a Monday night, take this course, and through that and some counsel of, of close friends and prayer, I, I just sensed God's call to ministry. So I switched, switched schools, educational streams, went from biology to the, theology, and the rest, as they say, is history. I went into ministry uh, pretty quickly after graduation, spent 12 years in the U.S. in, um, in Pennsylvania, and then uh, came back in 2000 to my hometown and uh, probably will retire here. That's amazing. I didn't know either of those things. So what, what about biology got you so excited about doing that? Well, I I was always strong in sciences. Uh, My dad was an engineer. I think he would have liked me to have been an engineer, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, And yeah, I was always strong in in sciences, math, and uh, it seemed like a logical career path. I was somewhat interested in being a veterinarian, Mm -hmm. but at that time in life, I just wasn't committed to that much schooling. Ironically, I ended up doing as much schooling, getting my my master's in in, uh, religion years later. But um, yeah, biology seemed like a great great path. I was, uh, I could teach phys ed because it was kinesiology actually. And, um, it's a tough field. Yeah. Yeah. I was in good shape in those days. Not anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a great field. I, I, the body was something, the human body was something that interests me. And, um, so it was a natural for me and I, I love mm. my time at Guelph, but it wasn't where I was supposed to be. No, I think that's really interesting because obviously when you look back, it maybe makes a little more sense than when you're doing it to jump from one field to the next. But you think about theology and biology and kinesiology, putting all these together, it all focuses on even trying to become a veterinarian, right? You're talking about, you seem like a very curious person, mm-hmm. right? And curiosity can be uh, an amazing tool. Sometimes it can be difficult, I'm sure, because I know for myself, I love learning. And the way I do that mostly is from talking to other people like yourself and, and other guests on the show, in the cafe, walking around in the grocery store, whatever it is. Um, but I know sometimes it can be 
a little bit um, of an obsession. Did you ever get to that point where you were just like you couldn't stop thinking about, you know, what makes this tick and mm. what makes this happen and how do the gears are turning? Absolutely. Uh, a curious mind is a healthy mind. My dad was... Um, was the best example and influence of that um, till he, he died in, when he was 79. But up until the end, he was reading things like the rise and fall of Roman civilization. Like he never, awesome. he was always curious, always wanted to learn more. Um, never, never was complacent about uh, intellect and knowledge. And, and the great thing about my dad was uh, he took his knowledge um, to, be a better human being and to, um, give back to the community. He mm-hmm. was just a, a great example and a great dad. And it obviously shows because you're a great person. And oh. I know that you do a lot in the community to give back. And I know a lot of the time, kind of like with what I do with business, it's a little bit different, obviously, because mine is to make money. Obviously that's not my purpose, but the business has to make money. Sure. And so when I do things in the community or when the shop gets involved with something, you know, most people see it for what it is and they realize that I want to help. But there's obviously the occasional person that says, oh, well, you're in business. You have to do it, right? You have mm-hmm. to show that you care and you have to sponsor a soccer team or whatever it is. Do you ever find um, you run into that with with being in a church? Because I know that people assume that churches have to do community work. Not that it matters, but I know that you are someone who passionately cares about people and about your community and and all of the people in your circle and beyond that. So um, what is it that I guess you like doing in the community the most? Is it cleanups? Is it mentorship? Is it soup kitchens? Well, I can, I can speak, uh, best for, um, my experience, but also the church itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only been at Central United for, it'll, it's just coming up on two years and it was a perfect fit when I interviewed, mm-hmm. uh, the, the church already had, uh, a real strong ethos of giving back to the community. They, they host a harvest kitchen, uh, meal every Sunday night where we serve usually 70 to a hundred people. Um, we don't do it every night, every Sunday. We do it once a month, but mm-hmm. it's at our facility every month, uh, or every Sunday. Um, other churches like, um, Wesley just across the, the canal and Pelham community and Font Hill United mm-hmm. all take their turn. So everybody's serving, but we also do things like, um, uh, our drop-in center on Tuesday nights. Now, I never thought, because my experience had been either in um, suburbia or small town, mm-hmm. that uh, um, poverty can isolate people. Like Absolutely. you and I have, you and I have the funds to go to a great place like the Black Sheep Lounge <laughs> for for a cappuccino and mm-hmm. and a conversation and lunch. And but not everybody has those resources, so they can easily become very socially isolated, which is not good for mental health. No. And um, what has happened is our our and again this predates me. There's been provided a time um, for it's usually about thirty ish people that come. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's welcome. They come and they, they've really formed community. They care for one another and they have a great time. They play cards, they do karaoke, they do art, um, art projects and art therapy, all kinds of different things. So it's a, it's a great outreach. Me personally, I like getting people out of their, um, out of their comfort zone. Yeah. When I was, when I, I, when I was in the U S I was a minister of youth in a large multi-staff church. And, um, these kids that were a part of my youth group, 
had pretty much all the advantages. They had stable homes, they had post-secondary education. Mm -hmm. So I would get them out of their comfort zone by taking them to a place like the Bronx or Brooklyn and doing um, a a day camp for a week. And they would see poverty and, and city and and um, different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And it was great for them. Um, or we would also do uh, a week rurally. And sometimes it was places like uh, Appalachia. Sometimes it was, uh, we went down one year, this was my favorite. Um, we went down to rebuild some house, uh, some churches mm-hmm. that have been torched, black churches in uh, in Alabama. And they were torched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like intentionally. Intentionally. Just like what happened in Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, this was in the 90s, you know, uh, what, 20 years later, 25 years later. Unfortunately, some sensibilities haven't changed. But um, it really opened my kids' eyes and mine as well, Mm -hmm. because there was still just overt racism that occurred. And the beauty of this community and the black church was not only thrilled with the work we did, but they were so um, kind and they made us a dinner one night. Mm. Oh my goodness. I can imagine. It was phenomenal. And there was a bond forged there and an awareness that happened because the kids, I got the kids out of their comfort zone of Lancaster County, which is Mm. um, upper middle class, affluent, stable, very little crime. And uh, helped helped open their eyes. That's amazing. I think that's a really important lesson to learn. And whenever I have a guest on, I really want to give examples and show why we need to do certain things. And it's not that it's a hard line, but always moving in a certain direction. And there's always been kind of the, um, I guess, misconception that Canadians and Americans are very different. And I don't think it's as different as people like to think. I think we have a lot of racism and homophobia and uh, nepotism and all sorts of things happening here that we think only happens in the U.S. I think the only difference is they're just a little more proud of it, Um, (laughs) which is obviously a horrible thing. But I, I think obviously our goal is to make sure that we can all work together and live and love and be together at all times. Um, but it takes work. And I find, and, and maybe you can elaborate on this after if you have some thoughts is, uh, let's, let's use the, the environment for an example with climate change. Mm-hmm. There's people that say the climate is important. We need to do something right now, drop everything and run. And then there's the other people saying, well, listen, there's been cooling and, and, and heating of the planet for millions of years. This is just another one of those hiccups. And they're the same people, I'm sure, in Alabama that, you know, <laughs> treat women like they're mm-hmm. limbs on trees. Yes. Um, but there's, there's not that many people in the middle that realize that, yes, we need to start now. But it's not good enough to start and criticize those that aren't moving fast enough on to their opinion, right? Because mm-hmm. I know for myself, when I first opened the cafe, you know, the first thing I had a customer come and say, "What? Well, you guys are so wasteful. Look at these lids are black. They're black plastic lids. You can't recycle those in Niagara. And I had no idea. I bought them specifically because they could be recycled. And I didn't realize that in Niagara, we have trouble sorting black plastics because our scanners can't read the label. Okay. Because the shadows on black are black on black. So you can't mm-hmm. see the, the label. And, and ours aren't, uh, uh, I guess they're not a good enough machine to really read through them. And so I changed, but instead of someone criticizing harshly, I think a lot of the time just helping people learn with you that happens with 
with climate change, but it also happens when people have intolerances uh, towards any minority, whether that's the LGBTQ plus community or if that's um, poverty or race, you know, because I know when um, a couple of years ago, the federal government announced that we were going to be bringing in some Syrian refugees, you look online, it was the saddest sight I've ever seen. People thought Raptors, you know, clapping for the the other team's player to go down was, was a bad Canadian thing, yet there was no backlash for the people that were saying, stay out of our country, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want you here. And Matt, those are Canadians. Yep. You know, so I think it's important that we learn and love together uh, because pushing people out does nothing good for this country. Mm-hmm. You know, something that Mike Farkas said last week on, on the podcast really resonated me, with me, which is, uh, I'm, I'm obviously pa- paraphrasing because I can't exactly remember word for word, but all he said is essentially ships, all ships rise with high tides, mm-hmm. right? Yep. There, he said that his success will not be diminished by the gain of somebody else's, you know, and I think there's no truer thing out there. And, and it's also true for giving people a fresh start. And I know that's something that you do a lot with your church and in your personal life and professional life. Um, and I, I would hope that we see more of that. Well, the gain, uh, the, the, I, I completely agree with everything you've just said and true change really happens when it's a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in my own life, I've been, and you're talking about climate change, I've been, um, I've been convicted about um, single-use plastic. You know, how can, uh, and I talked with my partner, how can we reduce this in our home? Um, and things can change quickly. Uh, we have the technology and the intelligence um, to really change things around quickly. I remember in the, I think it was 80s, the hole in the ozone layer. layer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the cure was to get rid of uh, aerosols. And we have predominantly gotten rid of whatever it was that was released into the atmosphere that caused the problem with the ozone. Absolutely. That's not a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we're smart enough as a human race. Uh, it's political will and it's willing to change some things in your own life. Um, and we can achieve great th- things. Now, I wanted to also, about the Syrian refugees a couple years ago, that, yes, there was a lot of ugly, hateful things out there. But on the flip side, there were thousands of Canadians who embraced these new refugees. And the church I was with at the time, we sponsored two single young men mm-hmm. who are, are, are have done so well. And uh, it's just a, a blessing to know them. And um, so there's, there's the best of Canadians through those sorts of things. And these sorts of crises, I think, bring out the best and the worst Mm -hmm. in people's lives. But there are definitely some differences between Canadians and Americans. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I, I, I was hoping that you'd bring that up because I did know that you had done that. And it's, it's an amazing thing that you have. And that's, again, the whole point is I don't want to highlight negativity, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we realize, you know, what is true and what isn't Mm -hmm. and also leading by example. Right. So seeing that, you know, it's something that you were able to do and I'm sure that there were difficult moments, but it never outweighs moving in a positive direction. Right. And I know one of those things back to, to the, the climate for us with the cafe, uh, we started with changing from black to white lids. Mm -hmm. Then we started working on smaller things like, okay, we're going to go from recyclable to compostable and biodegradable takeouts to the point that by the end of this year, we're eliminating single use completely. Uh, Because I know the federal government is eliminating single use plastics, but 
paper and and tin and all these other things are just as bad. It's easier to recycle, mind mm-hmm. you, but at the end of the day, reducing is a lot better than reusing yes. and recycling. Re- just reduce. Try and eliminate as much as you can because waste is waste. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of us and there's going to be more of us every year. So it's the best thing we can do is, is slow down. Uh, then, you know, obviously plastic straws went to metal straws instead of paper. Paper, again, is better than plastic. But at the end of the day, you know, you think about a fork, you use a fork a thousand times, you know, probably more than that, actually. Yep. Um, and it's always fine. It's clean. It's sanitary. Niagara Health signs off on it. And the same thing with our metal straws. So you're instead of using 500 straws a week, we're using 50 straws every couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's no different than a fork or a knife or anything else. They get cleaned. They get sanitized. Um, and I think it's a great thing. Um, another thing I wanted to, to talk to you about, I've never actually had, the, had this conversation is uh, a lot of people, when they hear Christianity, it means different things to them. When they hear religion, it means different things to them. But obviously, there are different denominations of Christianity. You've got Lutherans and Catholics, and you've got um, your evangelical crowd. You've got Mormons. So why did you pick the United Church? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I'm, I've been a recent convert, if you will, to the United Church. I was actually with... Um, I, I won't use the denominational name, but I will say it was a conservative evangelical okay. uh, church for yep. years when I was, uh, for over 20 years when I was in Pennsylvania, in, in Ontario. And um, when I, when in the in the 2000s, the early 2000s, I, I came to term with my personal sexuality, mm-hmm. um, that indeed I was a lesbian, mm-hmm. but would I live a life closeted and continue on the path that I had been traveling for 20 years, or would I live my authentic self? Mm-hmm. And that meant there would be no place for me in the denomination which I had worked for for Absolutely. over 20 years. So um, after, again, it was about a five-year process, much prayer, much thought, much counsel of good friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, I decided, yes, I would indeed live my life in an authentic way and the way God created me. Mm -hmm. So I was out of ministry for a few years in the business world and, but always, you know, that call never leaves you. And so I found my home in the United Church of Canada and it was, um, it's been such a blessing because theologically there's enough Methodism in it and, all the churchy people out there all know what I mean, but there's enough <laughs> there's enough uh, Methodism in it to make me feel very comfortable with its theology. Mm-hmm. Um, but its tent is the largest in Canada. The United Church of Canada was was year, light years ahead of everybody um, with the LGBTQ um, community in 1988 which is the year I moved to Pennsylvania. Um, Six years before I was born. There you go. Oh my, you are such a baby. I am. <laughs> uh, they they um, removed any barriers for ordination, membership, anything mm. in the church. And that was long before the government. Um, nobody has been quite as progressive as, uh, as, the, as the United Church. And I'm very proud to be a part of that and part of, very proud to be a part of it here in Welland, which is, mm-hmm. I grew up in Welland Font Hill yeah. up until I was about 12 and then we moved to Fort Erie. But, um, so this was like coming home to me. Amazing. And I think that if, uh, I'm sure the, the United Church is proud to have you as a part of it. Um, I myself have had, I've always had, not issues, but I've always struggled with my own faith, because I know when I was born, I had on my dad's side, very Italian. So of course, you've got your Roman Catholics. Uh, On my mom's side, 
Both of my grandparents at the time, at least, were very, very strong evangelical Christians um, to the point where my grandfather was actually dunking people in his pool in his backyard in suits, you know. And um, then at some point when I was born, you know, after my dad fighting with his parents and fighting with my mom's parents, they decided they were going to meet in the middle and I was going to be baptized a Protestant. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I... What I this is the most it was confusing for me growing up, where I had an evangelical fam, family members on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my Roman Catholic grandparents on my dad's. Uh, I was baptized Lutheran, and I went to a Catholic school, so it was very confusing mm-hmm. and very conflicting because, of course, I was going to Sunday school at the Lutheran church, and you know they were allowed to be married and have sex mm-hmm. and have kids and do all these things where Catholic church is very, you know, nope, none of that. Um, No marriage, no kids. And then you've got the evangelicals who say, well, we don't have a denomination. We're Christians. You follow Christ. And so it was very confusing for me. Uh, And so I grew up with a bit of resentment towards um, religion. And so I think I took it out in an unhealthy way in the beginning as, you know, I went, as I entered into high school, because I had a little bit of a, a, a tough time in elementary school with social groups. I wasn't very popular. It's picked on a lot. And then, you know, when people start to pass in your life and you go through hard times and then you've got three different denominations of Christianity telling you that, you know, this is the answer and this is what you need to do. And you have that fear of God in your life and you don't know what to do. And it was always scary. And, um, there was always a question mark. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got into high school, I started looking up theology a little, um, not officially, it was informally on my own. You know, I started reading different versions of the Bible, you know, reading, mm-hmm. uh, Mormon texts, reading, uh, the, uh, the Quran and, and all different sorts of Jewish books and Hindu books. And so I started to learn that way. And then I started to reach out to people from different faiths just to learn, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and what makes them different and what they believe in. And so I, the opposite of what I thought was going to happen, happened. And what I thought it was, it was really going to confirm how I felt. I didn't, I was like, I don't believe in anything. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, at the time I was, everything's dark. You're going to be in the dirt. That's how I was when I was younger. And then what happened from talking to people from different religions is I actually opened up and thought, and you were able to see the beauty and the culture and, you know, the togetherness of a lot of groups. Because if people don't travel, they don't talk, they're stuck in their own little community, that's reality to them. Absolutely. But personal realities are not realities. Mm -hmm. To certain degrees, you can have your own truths, but just because it's true to you doesn't mean that's the way the world operates. And so it wasn't until I started talking to other people and traveling a little bit uh, that I got to know what it means to different people and why it's important in their life. And I no longer hold that resentment. And so much so that as I was running for city council, I just got elected. You reached out to me and said, Lucas, I would love for you and your girlfriend to join me uh, for the Remembrance Day service at my church. And I was invited to probably eight, nine, 10 different events that day. And I chose yours because I feel that yours was the truest community and togetherness event I could possibly go to on that day. Uh, And I I think that's the most important part about faith in my perspective, because again, everyone has their own, is it's not about the differences in one another. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing people together. And at its face value, almost every religion in the world has three things in common, which is faith, of course, Mm -hmm. 
love. Yes. And charity. Yes, absolutely. Even, that's like the three of five pillars of Islam. Mm-hmm. It's true of Christianity and the commandments. It's yeah. true of, of many religions. Yet we get caught up in the, I guess, the semantics of everything. And then they use these as tools for hate. And I think you've done such an amazing job of leading with love and with positivity, but also not doing that in a weak way. Because I find that hope sometimes gets drowned out, mm-hmm. you know, by louder voices by stronger and scarier voices. And you're, it's okay to scream loudly and passionately that things are good mm-hmm. and things are, and you're happy. And not that you're just saying it, that you truly mean it and people need to see that. And that's part of what I want to do with this, you know, is now that I'm in the political world, there's a lot of negativity. Oh yeah. And I've always been the, the positive guy, you know, like people came to the black sheep because they had an idea and I knew who they could talk to to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily that it was me. I was just really good at finding people because I know a lot of people. So I was like, I want to do that. And I thought that being on council would help me do that at a higher capacity or a larger capacity, I should say. And it doesn't. Uh, I'm able to serve more people, which I absolutely love doing. But using positivity as a driving force is very difficult at a political level, as I'm sure you know, having served on council. Um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's what part of this is, is using um, love and passion and highlighting great people to move uh, good things forward. Well, in a political, in a political world, uh, sadly, we have um, been a little too influenced by our neighbors to the south, and they were too influenced by, this is my opinion, um, the... Everything that happened in the 90s, particularly with, um, and his name is escaping me, Newt Gingrich. Yes, who, yeah. Who kind of led the charge to not have a bipartisan um, discussions and cooperation. It was like, okay, if if he's not of my party stripe, then anything he says is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you go back just a generation, if you read any of um, our prime minister's father's memoir wars the first the first trudeau as prime minister and you read his memoirs the amount of respect and admiration genuine admiration he had for his opponents in politics is astounding they Mm -hmm. were gentlemen and they would vigorously debate their positions but it never got personal Mm -hmm. and it it uh they always looked for the best for whether it be your city your province, or or the country as a whole. So um, I stay positive and don't let the negativity um, wear you down because there's so much good in this country. And you see it during times of disaster. You see it during times of loss. We had um, a, member, uh, a member of our church lost her sister this last weekend. Very yeah, suddenly, very, very unexpected. And... I'm so proud of our congregation because they have rallied around this family um, and lifted them up and done everything they can for them. And that's the way it ought to be in a community. And it doesn't matter if you're Christian or if you're Muslim or if you're an agnostic and you just want to be a good person in your community. Uh, There's far more that unites us than divides us. I love this. I think this is the absolute best way to wrap this up is, you know, focusing on that and togetherness. And I think one of the lessons even that I learned just now from that is if you don't understand something, ask a question. Mm-hmm. Don't, Absolutely. don't fear it. 
You know, you don't have to be afraid of things you don't understand. The best thing to do is ask the question, get to know somebody, sit down and have a coffee with them. Right now we're tricking everybody because this is water, but uh, (laughs) it isn't a mug. Uh, But yeah, sit down with them and and learn. And that's one thing that I absolutely love doing every day here. And I'm sure you love doing that every day in your life. Um, And I hope we have, uh, have more of that. When I was coming out, I loved it when people would ask me questions Mm -hmm. because then it took the burden off me to bring this, you know, huge thing in my mind at the time. Um, I didn't have to bring it up. They'd bring it up and then we could have a conversation. And it was so mutually beneficial because it clarified things in my mind as I was answering the question, Mm -hmm. but then they gained some knowledge and then I got to see their perspective too. So yeah, yeah, ask questions. Great. Is there anything coming up that you want people to know about? Um, join us for, uh, the Rose Parade on Sunday. We've got prime location because the church or the, the parade goes right past our church. Uh, we open our church so people can use the washrooms Amazing! and, um, come, come join us. Oh, on the 30th, we will do my first ever, not the churches, but my first ever humor Sunday. Humor Sunday. So we are going to laugh and make jokes and just enjoy one another and, uh, and thank God for the, uh, the sense of humor that we all have. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be, uh, to be asked, Lucas. Anytime. Uh, believe me, as this thing takes off, you're going to be back and we're going to have this many times. It's crazy how fast 25 minutes goes by. Yeah, so. I can't believe it. Martha J. Lockwood, amazing person, Reverend at Central United Church and all around great old gal, <laughs> friend of mine, and we'll have you back next time, I'm sure. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining and listening. I'm Lucas Spinoza, the host of Above the Mug, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much.